0: wasn't it? So it's three years. Um, And I thought, well, now that we've got such a great fellowship in the evening, I want to just also bring something of the vision of St. Michael's uh, that we set uh, in the morning services to the evening service so that we own it together, not just a morning congregation, but an evening congregation. I know some of you go to both services, but for some of you, the evening service really is your fellowship. And I thought we could go over some of that ground um, this evening. But so as not to bore you all to death, I've gone for a different passage than I did uh, this morning or uh, last week as well. I'm going to choose a verse from Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Just one verse. We could read the whole passage, but it's this that I really feel summarizes sometimes where we're at in our own Christian lives, but also sometimes as a fellowship, as a church. And I'm not just talking about our church, but many churches, I think, in this town or this country particularly, and it's verse 35, Mark chapter 8, verse 35. For whoever wants to save their life, this is Jesus speaking, Jesus says, verse 35, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel Will save it. It's just such a simple sentence that Jesus talks about, but it's so deep and so profound. Let me read it again. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. I think as people we're we're fearful. We're fearful of losing our lives. So we become, what's the word, conservative. I don't mean politically conservative. We become conservative with our lives. We try to hold our lives together. We try to keep what we've got. And we do that not just in our personal lives. Some of us are afraid to give our lives to Jesus because we don't always know if it's safe with him. We don't know what he's going to do with it. So we try and hold on to our own lives to try and control it for ourselves, to keep what we've got, because if we let go, can we let Jesus have it? Will it be safe with Him? And we can do that as a church. I sometimes think when I think about the Church of England—that's the denomination that we happen to be in—and that I'm a minister do ministry within. I remember times, if you look back at Anglican history, where the Church of England would be so awesome at sending people out (coughs) to across the world, to take the gospel to places that it's never been before and to set up new fellowships and new churches and win many people for Christ. And sometimes I look at the Church of England now and many churches and I think we've become fearful We've become fearful in the sense of we have declined as numerically as a church. The world around us has changed. And so because the world around us is changing, we try to hold on tight to what we've got. We gather around, we huddle around our churches, and we hold on. We want to keep things the same, or we want to keep hold of those people that we've already got, and we kind of hunker down. But the problem with that, of course, is what Jesus says. Whoever tries to hold on to what we've got and protect ourselves from the world, well, then we lose our lives. We need to start thinking again, I think, as a church, to let go a bit more, to not worry so much about the 99 that we have, but go after the 10 million that we don't have. (laughs) The one or the ten million. I gave this illustration last Sunday. Sometimes it feels like we, our lives are like um, a pool of water in our hands. Like this, can you picture that? You're trying to hold a pool of water, but it's quite difficult to do that, isn't it? Because as you go around, waters tend to creep through and slip through our fingers, and maybe a drip drops through your hands from time to time, and you get worried. So, you hold on tight and you don't want to move around too much. You don't want to barge into people and you can try and keep it safe like that. And sometimes we can view our lives like that, that it's a precious thing and it is a precious thing, in our lives. So, we hold on to every day, every year, trying to hold on tight to it, making the most of everything, not letting one day pass by. But the problem is we live a fearful life that way. And not just a fearful life, it's a life that is slowly dripping away. And the harder we try and hold on to it, the more it's just going to escape. And I think Jesus is saying to us both individually and as a church, sometimes we need to let go. Sometimes we need to not operate from a place of fearfulness or worry or trying to hold on to what we have, but to let go a little bit. In the evening service, we're looking at 1 Corinthians. And the person who wrote 1 Corinthians is Paul the Apostle. Now, he used to be that kind of fearful person. He used to operate from that place of fear, trying to save his life. He was a Jewish man. Um, He was a Pharisee. He was a minister in the Jewish tradition. He was very zealous for the things of God. And this new movement began in his time, this movement called Christianity, or the way of Jesus, and it was gaining many followers amongst the flocks of the Jewish synagogues and people. And Paul got worried and scared about that. So he went round all the different synagogues trying to bolster and hold on and tell people, don't follow that thing, keep it, keep it away, keep it to yourselves. He went round trying to stamp out where the message was taking hold, and he tried to preserve and keep what they had. He operated from a place of fear. And then Jesus touched his life. If you know, in Acts chapter 9, Paul was walking from Jerusalem to Damascus. And he was going to Damascus to try and arrest some Christians. And on his way, he had a vision of Jesus from heaven. And he was thrown to the ground. And there was a bright light and he heard a voice And Jesus said to him, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. It is hard for you to resist me. And so Paul has this dramatic conversion experience. And it changes everything for him. And he becomes this sort of person that rather than trying to hold on to the faith, trying to hold on to what they had, he became someone who let go and found his life in Christ. And not just that, then God used him, Jesus used him, and his particular, his pati- his particular calling, and this is why I think Jesus has got a sense of humour, because Paul was trying to protect what they had as Jews. The particular ministry he gave Paul was to reach the Gentiles. The Gentiles. Let's put that in our context, not to reach Christians like today, but to reach the unchurched, the unbelievers, those who yet to know. And I don't know if Paul had a little giggle to himself, but he took it on fully. He completely let go of his life and he followed the call of Jesus to reach those who are yet to hear rather than trying to just hold on and keep the followers that they had maybe, he said, no, 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 no. There's so many countless millions out there that still need to hear. And so off he went. And he went on some crazy adventures, and you can read all about it in Acts. And Paul says in Romans 15 that it's always been his ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known To go where Christ was not yet known. Again, I think as churches, we like to sort of hang out in our Christian circles, and, and that's good, and we gather and we, 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 we read the Bible and we have sermons and, and all this sort of thing. But we've tend to forgotten again that there's a world out there that is yet to hear the name of Jesus, even in our town. And it should be our ambition, just like Paul's, to let go of our lives a little and say, could we imagine us going out and reaching more for Jesus that have never heard his name? I want St. Michael's to be a church, yes, where Christians gather and grow in their faith, but I also want it to be a church for the unchurched. There are many churches in this town that are really good at ministering to Christians. To those who've grown up in church and understand the traditions and the rules and the ways and the, what it means to be a Christian. But there are countless people who are unchurched. And I think we can be the kind of church that reaches the unchurched. That's at least my heart, a bit like Paul's. I'm going to read to you from 1 Corinthians because we've been in 1 Corinthians. I'm I'm skipping ahead a little bit, so forgive me. You're going to come to this section in 1 Corinthians later on in our sermon series. But just to skip ahead in chapter 9, Paul says these words. Verse 19, though I am free. See that? Paul says he's free now, now that he knows Jesus. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Do you see Paul's heart there? He's like, I don't care what it takes. We need to do whatever it takes to go and win those yet to hear about Jesus. Paul let go of his life, and he found it in Christ. And he's no longer someone who's just trying to hold on to his own life, but he gives it away and puts himself at tremendous risks and makes enormous sacrifices and becomes a servant of all people because he's free but because he also wants to win the lost. Paul reached, he went for many years in ministry, and he went on these mission trips around, um, he went on three main mission trips around the Mediterranean. He started off in Israel, and his first one, he he gets around a little area around uh, Israel and Asia, and then the second one, he goes on a bigger loop, And this time, the Lord calls him to go over to Europe and to Greece. And that's where he gets to Corinth. And then the third mission trip, he goes even further. He goes around uh, different parts of Greece and the Mediterranean. And then he says in the book of Romans that his aspiration is to get all the way to Spain. Because Spain, right, in the old world of the Bible, is the end of the world. Can you picture that? There's nothing beyond Spain nothing worthwhile anyway America uh, but Spain that's the end of the world to him so his ambition was I want to take the gospel to the end of the world what's happened to us <laughs> we think so small these days don't we the third point of my vision and let's put the vision up now I'm sort of doing them in the wrong order <laughs> But the last point of the vision that we have at St. Michael's is to partner with St. John's and the wider church in winning South End for Jesus. And I thought, oh, my Lord, that sounds ridiculously big, vision. And then I remember what Paul said. My ambition is to get to Spain, to reach who knows who even lives there and whether he speaks the language or what he's going to encounter there. And I thought, well, at the very least, Can we think bigger as St. Michael's and to partner with other churches and say, could we win South End for Jesus? Is that something we could do? What amazes me is that it's most probable that Paul didn't make it to Spain, but he died trying. I find that quite profound. He didn't go, oh, it's not looking good. I'm just going to give up and retire. He said, I'm going to keep going if it kills me. And he says this to Timothy. He has a good friend called Timothy who he does a lot of ministry with. And as he's coming to the end of his life, Paul says this. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. But then he says this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. That's someone who's let go of his life, isn't it? He's not trying to hold on to it. He said, I gave it all. And even on his last dying breath, he's still running the race. He's still going. Even though Spain might have been not possible. Well, he was in prison by that point. But even when he was in prison towards the end of his life, he has this amazing encounter with Jesus. I was going to read it to you while he's in prison. And while he's being persecuted by his own people, the Jews. It says this, Acts 23, verse 11. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. That's where the Lord was leading Paul. And that word testify, martyr, to bear witness. And Paul did, he died in Rome. The sort of uh, it's not in the Bible, but it says church tradition holds that he was beheaded in Rome. But he says, I am being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I don't know if you've ever, have you run in a race recently, anyone? (laughs) Maybe not many of us have been in any running races, really, recently. But I'm always um, glad to, if I go out for a run or something like that, I'm always glad that I've got to the end of it that's the time i don't enjoy it while i'm doing it but when i've got to the end of it you collapse in a heap and paul sees the end of his life like that he's looking forward to that he's looking forward to he's run the race he's taken the gospel he's used his life he's expended his energy he's fought the good fight and he sees the finish line and he's like my rest is coming but if you live your life as someone who wants to hold on to their life, like we often do, we never want that race to end. We never want to get to the finishing line and go to rest to be with Jesus. That's, that's the flesh, isn't it? I'm scared of that finishing line. I'm just going to keep running and keep running and keep running away from that. Because you're trying to save your life. But Paul, he could say, no, I'm running and I'm running to expend all of my life until Jesus calls me home. That's what it means to be free, to not live life of fear. And if we do that, my I think God's promise is there's no end to what we might see in our own lives and in South End and beyond. But we've got to be prepared to let go, let go of all the things that we necessarily want. But maybe we'll have visitations from Jesus like Paul did. So many of us hunger for that, don't we? I want to know Jesus better. Paul knew him really well. He had visits from him in the night. Words of comfort as he slept in a prison cell. When all his energy was expended and he had collapsed in a heap, Jesus picks him up off the floor. When things are down, Jesus is near. When he's carrying out the gospel to places that may not even want to hear it, Jesus was by his side. And when he saw and planted churches and saw new unchurched people come to Christ and he, Paul sees these churches that he's planted and what God has done through him, he says of those churches, you are my crown and glory. When I go to heaven, you are my crown and glory. What is treasure in heaven? It's not that when we get there, Jesus is going to give us a big lump of gold. Oh, there you go, Tom. No, the crown of glory that we receive is the witness that we bore Jesus in this world and the lives that we're impacted. I'm scared. In life, I try to hold on. I try to keep things just as I want it. I'm sometimes fearful to let go and let Jesus take my life wherever it might go. But I know at the same time, when I do that, I'm also losing my life and it's draining away from me. Can I encourage us to commit together as a church? To commit to letting Jesus take the vision for this church. The first point is to see St. Michael's fall twice on Sunday. Wouldn't that be wonderful? To see many more come to Christ, especially young people, unchurched people, people from different faiths coming to know Jesus. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? And then the second point is to. Make this worship space ready for the next generation because it's not just about what we're doing now, it's about who's going to need it later. But then that third one, that's where our heart should really be, isn't it? To go and take the gospel where it's not yet. To baby plant new churches and to do, to do new things for Jesus. But our call is that it can't just be me and it can't just be a handful of us it needs to be all of us together see Paul was he was awesome wasn't he he was a bit of a lone ranger and he would go off doing these crazy adventures and I'm sure you're all doing that in your own lives crazy adventures for Jesus Uh, but he planted churches Because he knew the lasting witness in everywhere he went. The only way Jesus could properly reach the world is if he planted local churches where the body of Christ worked together to witness to Jesus for the long term. So it's got to be all of us. Morning service, evening service, whether you've been here 20 years or two weeks, we are now the body of Christ in this place so the call is for all of us. This morning, after the morning service, we had a bring and share lunch, which is always first Sunday. First Sunday of the month is always bring and share lunch. I love that time together because we finish the service and we go and eat together. And bring and share. It's not look at what one person has set before us, a buffet of amazing food, and we all just pile in and enjoy it. Although that, there is a lot of piling in and enjoying it it's we there's only what's there is what we bring and god blesses it and jesus is present at it and he turns and we preached on one uh, uh, john two the wedding of cana this morning where when jesus is at a bring and share water turns to wine water turns to wine and so i love the bring and share because there's something special jesus is there eating with us and he will be with us in the bread and the wine here When we gather, when we bring what we have to Jesus, together as his body, water turns into wine. But it's got to be all of us. We each have a part to play. And if we do, if we all let go and give our lives to Jesus, together we will see water turned into wine and we will see many unchurched people come to Christ. So I'm going to end with just a little call for all of us, really. What does bring and share mean? It means we bring and share ourselves, true selves, with all its mess, all its imperfections. We come as we are, don't we? We come and we be real together. We come and kneel before Jesus together. And we come to love one another. Then we also come and we bring what we have to offer. We each have things to offer. Church shouldn't just be about one, two, three people doing everything and everyone else just enjoying. It should be about all of us bringing what we have. And it doesn't matter what it is. It could be, like I said, Jesus can turn water into wine. You just bring whatever you've got. So next Sunday at the morning service, we're doing what's called Step Up Sunday where we're going to, it's like a, a, um, what do you call it, a fresher's fair or something in the church where all the different stalls are out of all the different ministries in this church and we just ask people to simply pray and think and go round and maybe sign up to different things that you could help and serve. Whether it's at this church or whether it's at your workplace or whatever, we can all serve together. We've all got something. And then lastly, it's about what we can offer in terms of giving You may not know it, but even the Apostle Paul went round these churches saying, if we gather in the giving of the church, we can do so much more to reach the world. Paul actually said in order to get to Spain, he's going to need a ferry ticket. (laughs) And he hasn't got the money for it. So he asked the church at Rome, he says, I'm going to come through Rome. Could you have a gift ready so that you could send him on to Spain? I'm joking about the ferry ticket, but it's the idea that The church needs to finance the mission of Jesus. And that's not about um, the church just needing lots of money so it can, you know, um, be rich. It's so that the gospel could go to the ends of the world. So if you believe in this church, if you feel part of this church, if you feel like this church, yes, I believe it can win people for Jesus, I I believe in what we're doing here, then it requires ourselves our gifts that God has given us, and our giving. I don't often speak about some of those things, um, but at the evening service I think it's right to say many people in our fellowship give regularly to the work of the church here, to support the ministry that happens here. And maybe some of you didn't, didn't know that that's something you could do, and maybe you think, I would love to support this church, but not because I want to support Tom at the front or nick or whatever or sam it's because i just want to be part of what jesus is doing here and the more we give of ourselves in that way the more we could see jesus do i believe so uh, at the back of church there's some cards on your way out that could just explain to you just some very simple ways of how you might give regularly to our church but enough of that i'm not preaching this sermon tonight because of giving and money and things like that i'm preaching it to inspire us to just say, Jesus, I don't want to hold on anymore and therefore lose my life. I want to give it to you. And then you'll take me on this race, on this life that will be filled with glory and challenge and pain at times. But if we do it together, Jesus will truly be manifest in our fellowship and when we break bread and drink wine Jesus will be stood right next to us encouraging us on and one day to welcome us home let's pray (laughs) heavenly father we've heard your call Lord that you do give us vision you gave Paul a crazy vision to take the gospel to the Gentiles to the ends of the earth but you've placed a call on our lives here at St Michael's help us not to be afraid help us to realize that our life is only safe with Christ May you help us discern your call on our lives. May you draw near to us, Lord, as we draw near to you. And whatever that means for us tonight, to let go, maybe for someone it's one thing, for maybe another it's something else. But there are things we're holding on to so tight that we're afraid. To let go. May you help us do that, Lord, and then may we see you do amazing things in our lives. May you turn that water into wine. And as we approach the communion table this night, may we truly know that Jesus is stood in our midst and therefore know that everything's going to be all right in your name. Amen.